0: We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theatre throughout the world, and we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button, because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Jovanoff. Today, we are heading to La Belle Provence, Quebec, Canada, specifically Montreal, and we are going to talk about the theatre scene in Montreal and Canadian musicals and all the fun stuff that is going on there. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce the Artistic and Executive Director of the Siegel Centre for the Performing Arts, lisa rubin lisa welcome to the show
1: thank you so happy to talk musicals in canada
0: i know i that's the thing i i I want to get more canadians on the show to talk about uh you know what we're doing because i don't think we get enough uh, recognition or um exposure for the shows that we put on so i'm glad you're going to be talking about us talking about some of the stuff that you've done
1: Thank you. Do my best.
0: No problem. Well, I start every show the same way. I, I want to hear Lisa's 30 second bio. Who is Lisa in 30 seconds?
1: I am a musical theater lover, you know, who grew up singing and dancing and performing. I think I'm one of those stories that every all musical theater lovers can relate to. It's kind of once it's in your life, it never leaves. And uh, found my way to the Sadie Bronfman Center, which is now the Siegel Center, as a Montrealer, um, and you know just wanted to be connected to theater. So even if I wasn't performing. I just had to be do something in the building, whether it was supporting their fundraising, whatever I could do I did, um, including uh, working as an assistant to the former artistic director and then assistant to the CEO, and somehow found my way into this artistic and administrative position, um, which I hope I don't take for granted every single day and I recognize that privilege and that awesomeness and it has led me to some pretty incredible things. Uh, most of all, most of what I'm proud of is, is really, I think the new musicals and, and just keeping musical theater alive in Montreal on, um, on th- at the level that we do.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Little more than 30 seconds, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm not gonna complain about that.
1: (laughs) I thought I was close.
0: And you were it was pretty close. It was like 36 and a half, but okay. uh, Okay. No worries. I I will let it slide. (laughs) So um so like you said, you you have been involved and, and love musicals for a long time. Is that is that a family thing or are you are you the the anomaly? within the family, the lover of musicals.
1: No, my dad, I'm going to reveal my age here, but my dad drove a Monte Carlo um, and had an eight track in his car. Nice. And, you know, he didn't have very many, but one of them was a chorus line. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was six years old, I knew every single song, every single song. (laughs) And here is a very fun fact that I auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club. With tits and ass, <laughs> 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 and um, yes, yes, I did. So, so uh, nice. yeah, it, it it did. And and my mom has always loved um, theater and, and drama. And um, I have uh, a you know a couple of of incredible artists in my family. One of them being the late Joseph Wiseman who was the original Dr. No, Um, but he, but he, he will, he's most, he was most proud of his theater work of, of playing great roles in Shakespeare. And uh, he, he just, what an incredible, incredible man. He's my, my dad's first cousin, was my dad's first cousin married to Pearl Lang, the late great Pearl Lang, who was Martha Graham's prodigy. So I had these role models in Joe and, 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 and Pearl, you know, for, for dance and theater and, and the, the discipline and the, the work ethic that it requires to, to be good at your craft.
0: Wow, so it's in the DNA and, and it's... Um,
1: I like to think so, <laughs> but, you know.
0: That's that's fantastic, that's incredible. I am very curious about that uh, Disney song choice, but um, obvi- did it work? Did you get on the show?
1: You know... I had no guidance. Like yeah. I wasn't, you know, I didn't get into, you know, that hardcore training until I was in my teens, mm-hmm. but I was obsessed with the Mickey Mouse club and, and I knew I was, and 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 like a lot of kids, when you listen to content that may not be appropriate, I think those eight, those times, it just kind of goes over your head. Yes. Um, I did. I had a phenomenal audition experience, Mm -hmm. actually. And at that time, Max Casella, who was the casting director, I was just on the cusp of being too old. I was like, they were taking in Britney and uh, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, who are like a few years behind me. So... I I don't know, but I, 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 think I just, hopefully it was memorable and I felt good about it. And I'm just glad I did it.
0: Nice. I have that experience. the same experience, not the Disney singing part, but, uh, the song, the lyrics going over the head, like one night in Bangkok. Once, once I got a little bit older, then I started understanding some of the lyrics like, Oh, that's what that means. Okay. But at the time I'm like, I just love this song. It's just a great song. Totally. So, so did you go to school for uh, for musical theater or theater in general?
1: Um, I did. I did. A, I, I. was a very. I was very into dance, so I. Mm-hmm. I. I had a lot of dance training. I uh, studied at Interlochen in Michigan as a dance major. Mm-hmm. And then once I discovered that I really wanted to focus on musical theater and needed the acting and the singing, I spent three summers at Stage Door Manor, uh, the kind of, you know, the the, the theater camp, um, the mu- musical theater camp. And that really was a kick in the ass of, of <laughs> the competition and the training required. Yeah. And then actually right out of there, um, I was doing a play at McGill and someone and the music director, it was Little Shop of Horrors, and the music director, uh, McGill, um, suggested I I try out for the Charlottetown Festival. Mm. And I'd never heard of it before. And I just went to Toronto and auditioned for the Charlottetown Festival and got it. And so I was like 17 years old and... And then I spent three three years, three summers in the Charlottetown Festival, which I think was second level training was in the real world. Yeah, and I had a lot of hard lessons at that. You know, again, uh, the, the most incredible experience. But but that was life experience working in musical theater professionally. Um, but I never stopped taking private lessons, uh, vocal lessons, and.
0: Yeah, three years at Charlottetown would be fantastic. Just, just the, the experience of that, and being on the island, you know. Oh yeah, some, and that
1: it's so uh, beautiful. I know.
0: I, I I gotta head back. I haven't been to the P.E.I. in so long, but mm. yeah, it's gorgeous. But uh,
1: yeah, going back as an artistic director was was amazing wow. it was just amazing <laughs> you know seeing it through different eyes and For and sure. then taking my family there it was wonderful nice.
0: very cool so uh you, you did the, you did the charlottetown you, you were at mcgill and all that stuff when did you um did you ever are you still performing or or was there a transition point where you got more into the offstage stuff
1: um i performed really, I think up until I got this job, I was working, um, I was working in the office as an employee, not as a volunteer Mm -hmm. while doing guys and dolls, um, while doing lies, my father told me, which was in both of them, two musicals at the Siegel center. And then when this happened, i guess there was a part of me that knew that i was going to have to work really hard to prove myself um, and to to be all in this role and it wasn't the time for me to put myself on stage so that was a loss that i had to mourn actually um i you know I've, i've sung a couple of times in concerts but I can count them on one hand it's it's not it's not something I regularly do, and if anything, the pandemic has been a little bit of a gift in that way, because of all the time I'm spending at home, you know, uh, I'm singing at the piano with my husband because he he plays. And, you know, my I may be dancing in my basement, you know, <laughs> so, you know, there is there's some pretty incredible online classes like I've taken um, ballet with Tyler Peck quite often. So getting like getting back into dance and, and, and singing that's truly for myself. Mm. Um, has been wonderful and, and a little bit of a reminder of kind of what I've lost, what, what I've had to kind of put away, but, but I'll, I'd rather have it in my life. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Maybe one day I'll, I'll get back to the stage, but it's, it's, it's the the privilege I have to, to make sure other people have that opportunity now, and I can help them. I, I can help them grow into that and you know. Yeah. So that that's
0: where it is. I, I totally again. I totally understand you. You. I transitioned off of stage, and I've been doing pretty much everything off the stage now. But there's always that little tickle in the back, right? Where you know what? I could still do it if I wanted to, and 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 I will. But because my girlfriend's never seen me, my kids have never seen me on stage, so they're all like, "What are you gonna do it?" And you're like you just never know right so I. that's I really, really great, great to
1: hear that your kids feel that way mine want to like crawl under a couch and hide if i if i <laughs> just when i start singing or dancing <laughs> mommy stop stop
0: <laughs> no, my, my, my kids have been you know they don't do any theater but they 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 go to it and they're the most critical people um I can tell they're mine just from that. They'll go to a show and go, okay, this didn't work. That didn't work. This is good. But that didn't, I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's wow. say that Andy. out loud. But we'll talk about it afterwards. That's
1: great that they, that <laughs> so they can do funny.
0: that. So you, you're, what what drew you to the, the, the Siegel Center um, to, to work there? And, and how did you, you know, move up to the artistic and executive director position? Well, you know,
1: I'm a Jewish Anglophone Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, again, during this pandemic, we talk a lot about inclusion and belonging and identity and making sure spaces, you know, there's a welcome feeling for all. Um, But as a Jewish Anglophone, you know, in Montreal, Mm -hmm. the safest place I felt was at the Siegel Center, was at the Sadie Bronfman Center because it's rooted in the Jewish community. And uh, what got me there actually was after three years in PEI, I felt very disconnected from the Jewish community. Like I had never, you know, I ne- which i had never experienced before because I grew up in Montreal. And then even if I was in Toronto, wherever I was, I felt that around me, but that all that time in PEI, Mm -hmm. there was nothing. So I was very interested in kind of rediscovering that. And I saw an ad at McGill for the Yiddish theater Mm -hmm. again, which had been around in Montreal for years, but something I had never even considered being a part of. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to try it. I need, I'm here. I'm like, I'm, I'm in university. I'm, I'm not, in a conservatory program you know I'm studying humanities I'm studying anthropology and philosophy and our history and you know I need I need to keep this up so why not audition for Yiddish theater and that is what brought me to my first experience at the Siegel Center.
0: Nice so tell us a little bit about the Siegel Center and, and what it is and its history and and uh yeah, because a lot of people probably don't know about it. I, I can't remember if I knew about it or not, but let's just assume I didn't. So, tell tell us a little bit about it.
1: Well, the 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 Sadie Bronfman Center um was built you know fifty years ago. Uh, we have a very special building designed by Phyllis Lambert. It's like a big glass box, <laughs> and it originated as a visual arts center, um, and then you know a little bit of theater here and there. The Yiddish theater, the Dora Wasserman Yiddish theater is a 67 year old legacy in the, in the, in the, in the Montreal community. It's one of only two Yiddish theaters that exist in North America. Mm. Um, And as the Sadie Bronfman Center was kind of on its last legs, uh, an incredible man named Mr. Alvin Siegel, uh, who had an affinity for the Yiddish theater came to the rescue and said, um, I want to ensure that the legacy of the Yiddish theater will continue. And in order to do that, we're gonna support and build a robust English theater around it and reinvested in our building, in the business model, and together with Brian Wasserman, who's the form, one of the former artistic and executive directors, um, uh, really reshaped the model. And in 2007, we became the Siegel Center and uh, with a focus only on performing arts. Uh, when I came in, we, I kind of even, I focused even more than that. We were doing music and we were doing dance we were doing cinema in addition to theater. And I just, I saw a very big opportunity to be laser focused on the theater practice um, as well as the community support with, because we do have a Jewish mandate as well. That is that we explore and we celebrate our Jewish identity through the arts um, in all of its ways from celebrating the past and really leaning into those those social issues that we face as Jews in the future as well as sharing our Jewish heritage with the greater non-jewish community. Um, but all that is really English theater in a French city has is our main focus and has been the main focus. Nice.
0: And so how long have you been with with the company again?
1: My first play as an actor was in 2000. <laughs> okay. So we're talking 21 <laughs> years now, at, you know, involved with them. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then around, I'm just trying to think. And I, I, I kept doing plays with them for a while. And then it was after I had my kids that I was offered a job in the office. That I took. I was like, yes, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I think that was around 2009, okay. and then I spent nine, you know, quite a few years uh, working in the office, um, and uh, you know, before I just had this kind of working girl fairy tale story that propelled me into this role. Like, I, I it's not a secret. Like, I, you know, I think. Um, there you know people from all over the country or others in the industry are like who is this person that just got this job of a lifetime and that's true and that's true and that's that's why I had to work so hard but um and I I think you know my love for the Siegel Center um my knowledge of the community and my um my love of the arts and, and theater and The vision that I had was enough to convince the board of directors that despite my lack of experience that I could do this. Um, And, you know, I, I think when you have kids, fear takes on a different meaning. I, 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 I don't know if I would have said yes, or if I would have applied or jumped into this, not have having my kids, but yeah. They gave me such courage to say, "I got to do this. I can do anything." For them, yep. that uh, that's it. That that's it's a real a real fairy tale story that definitely had some obstacles that I needed to overcome in those first couple of years, but I'm better for it now.
0: Nice. Yeah, everything in comparison to raising kids is easier like this kids are kids are you know they're different every time every day you know, think you know your kid and then they do something and you're like oh that never either in a good or bad way mm-hmm. but you're mm-hmm. just like yeah it's always a new experience so yeah any job is, is so much easier <laughs> and and you can build off the experience of the kids but you well, also I... you also had all those other little parts you know you were the every part created the whole right so true that was great nice so let, let's talk about some of the the new works that uh, the sequel Center has, has has worked on because I, I was been to the website and you know you you pioneered uh, the apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz which I play as well as the English version of Les belleseux which I I think I play the French version but I play that on the station as well and and mythic was uh, supposed to come to Toronto which I had tickets for and that well as we all know what happened to theater but uh, yeah tell us a little bit about uh, the the creation of new works and 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 helping promote these new works
1: it's so exciting when we do it i you know um as an artistic director and as a theater lover you know what you quickly learn is when you're exposed to something good mm-hmm you get very excited. (laughs) So, um, you know, with Dodi Kravitz, we were actually contemplating remounting a Yiddish version of Dodi Kravitz because it had been a huge hit for the Yiddish theater, the apprenticeship of Dodi Kravitz. There was a Yiddish musical. And it was my first year um, in my role. And... I had heard that there was an Alan Menken, David Spencer version of Diddy Kravitz out there. And so why not see if we can do that version? Because the, the, the other version, because there were several versions of Apprenticeship of Diddy Kravitz, the musical. Oh. Amazingly, really? you know, written, oh. yes. Now there's only one, now there's only one. Okay. Um, uh, and I met David Spencer and I heard the music, and then it was like, we need to do this in English, <laughs> not Yiddish. Um, we'll find something else for Yiddish, and we did, but, yeah. but, you know, that, it was just, I mean, we had David Spencer, Alan Menken, um, Austin Pendleton, Jonathan Monroe, <laughs> A lot of men, I, I'm saying that now, but wonderful men, yeah, who, who, <laughs> um, and uh, and and this incredible cast. It was just like it was amazing. It was amazing for everyone. It was also the first time that I saw that when you bring in special guests like um, Austin and Alan, yeah, who work with your all Canadian cast it elevates everyone and I can talk about we did that again with Mythic but it just it it makes the experience so much richer because everyone is so invested and you know Austin would would in between you know rehearsals would tell us stories of you know the original production of Fiddler on the Roof and I mean, uh, we have, we have this Broadway cafe, which is kind of a a live karaoke night for the musical theater community here Mm -hmm. and Austin, like we were done rehearsal and it was late and we all kind of went over to check out what was happening in the other room, this Broadway cafe and Austin got up there and sang Miracle of Miracles. And I remember standing with George Maz Maswell, who 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 was in the cast at the time, a great Canadian actor who's in the com- a re- company of Come From Away, mm-hmm. and standing there with him, and we looked at each other and we're like, we understood what was happening. But like the original Muzzle the Taylor, right now, yeah. in right now, we were witnessing singing <laughs> <laughs> miracle of <laughs> miracles. Um, and, and it, you know it was, it was special. It was a, it was a special piece and a special production. And, and it was also this like big love story for Montreal. Um, and to, to this day really remains our greatest hit. If you're going to say in terms of, you know, ticket sales and, and extensions and everything, there was nothing like what happened with Duty Kravitz. Um, and then, you know, Belle Sœur. Uh, the musical also uh, I mean what you play is very different than what we have and one day there'll be a Canadian recording because because uh, Neil Barcham and, and Brian Hill um, took were, were inspired by the French version, but it's a it's a it's a new it's different. Oh. <laughs> it's different and wonderful. Um, and that production went on a Canadian tour. So we kind of upped, like Dirty Kravitz happened and out of that came a cast recording. Belser happened and out of that came a Canadian tour. And Belser is, you know, pre-pandemic is being worked on for New York. Wow. Um, and already had a workshop um, there that I attended with Kiala Settle in the lead role. Uh, that was pretty special. That was pretty special um yeah so so and then and then uh came prom queen which is you know now known as the louder we get which okay. is the which is the musical based on the true story of mark hall who in 2002 fought to take his boyfriend to the prom mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: and and oh it was it was just so good It was so good, and then that just happened in Alberta at Theater Calgary, and where it's gonna go next, who knows, but again, one of the highlights for everybody who worked on it. It was just so, so very special.
0: And then I see you did uh, The Hockey Sweater, the musical, which if you are Canadian, you you know that story and you've seen that short video, I don't know how many times, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about that, how that got turned into a, a musical as well.
1: The Hockey Sweater um, was a result of uh, good timing on behalf of the playwright, Emile Scher, who had walked into my office with this idea to do The Hockey Sweater, the musical, at the same time that we were talking about Montreal's 375th anniversary, and there was a huge call for like legacy projects. Um, and so we ended up submitting a grant to, to build this musical um, and got it. And, and so there was a major investment from Montreal 375. Um, and then uh, we brought on Jonathan Monroe to, and Jonathan Monroe and Emile, you know wrote this this uh this wonderful musical and then you had donna fior who directed and choreographed it Mm -hmm. so talk about wow and performance value um and like i don't think anybody i'll never forget i had a team from place des and they were like they, they were looking at me they're like we didn't expect it to be that good like that <laughs> not not like that good yeah you could see my facial expressions they thought it would, would be good but that good like <laughs> oh my god like wanting well, I want to give a standing ovation in the middle yeah. of a show to this the 8 8 minute dance break that the kids just did um and then you know we were the very first investment from the creation fund at the from the National Arts Center and that took us to the hockey sweater 2.0, mm. where which we did in Ottawa um, with new projections, uh, larger set design, wow. built more for a proscenium stage, unlike our soft thrust. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> and and I just know it's not the end for the hockey sweater. I see it. I see it happening in French one day. Nice and um yeah
0: see and there's there's so many shows that canadian musicals that nobody knows about unfortunately outside of you know the bubble of where they got produced and and where it was able to reach out to um because you know I, I i'd heard about the hockey sweater musical i just didn't know a lot about it at that point point. and you know i'm learning all about like talk about mythic for example i knew it was coming i was excited coming i don't know a lot about it except what I've had to do for research, obviously. Um, But yeah, we, tell us about Mythic and because it was going to be put on by the Mervishes. It was, Mm. was it a co-production with you guys or?
1: Uh, It was a presentation. Oh, okay. So they would, we would be, we were going to produce it. You know, you, you touched upon something very important and that is the reason why (laughs) Doody Kravitz made a cast album. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and, and, not many people can afford to make a cast album we had you know uh alan menken we had support behind making this cast album so it's so important in order for anyone to know about it it the music has to live on and so i'm not surprised you don't know anything about the hockey sweater or even prom or the louder we get um, and and bell sir, because how can you, we, 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 you you can't show the archives. You can't, you know, there there's very, very strict rules of us being able to show any content whatsoever, unless, you know, there there there's 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 options especially if you're looking at trying to get get investments for the show Mm -hmm. but that's why these cast albums are so important and that's why mythic too when it mythic had its world premiere in london and they got a cast album out of that and i can't and 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 you know i know they were also had the support of some producers in new york who all understand this that you need this, you need that in order for it to, I think, continue to have a life. But I saw Mythic at NAMPT, actually. Um, So it was one of the eight NAMPT new musicals a couple of years ago. Um, But the composer, Oran Eldor, was also our orchestrator for the hockey sweater. Okay. And so You know, I already, we already had a connection. Um, But I remember sitting in that audience in New York after Mythic, after the 45 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. (laughs) I have to, like, I'm getting in line right now. Yeah, And uh, the London production happened first. And I'm just, I'm trying to remember. I don't really know how, I just think I kept, I don't know. I was just like, I want to do it. And I guess they had to figure out what was gonna, you know, if if the London production was gonna live or die. I think it basically died. And so we uh got the opportunity to do the world, the North American premiere of a different mythic, same music same story yeah. but a completely different version really? and that was uh because of our director brian hill and um our choreographer Avihai haham from israel and the collaboration with the with the writers oran and marcus stevens Um, who fed us, you know, I think that's the gift. When you do a production, you kind of have a gift of hindsight and of do-overs and of what would I do better? What would I change? And Brian Hill's the kind of director who's also a writer. And I think he really listened to um, the vision that we wanted for Mythic, which was this concert feel, this something I'd want to see over and over again, Um, you know, lots of dancing. And that's what we, that's, that's what happened. That's what happened. And it was just, you know, I still, I still can't believe it. It's still, I still wish I would still go and see it every night if I could.
0: Well, hopefully it, um, once everything's done and everything opens up again, it will come to Toronto and I will, or I, you know what? Like I said, I can drive to Montreal. It's not that far. <laughs> I can come see it. And and once it is open, the Siegel Center is open. I'm definitely going to come and check out some of the shows.
1: Uh, that would be great. I think the next step for Mythic is still Toronto.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. So how, how, how has the, the center, uh, has Seagull Center been dealing with the pandemic because everything's closed. So mm-hmm have you have you pivoted and and tried other things or you know tell us a little bit about how you've been surviving
1: we haven't pivoted we've pirouette (laughs) (laughs) we have we have been pirouetting now for nine months um yeah we listen i think we are so lucky that um in a way the the canadian wage subsidy has been supporting our staff to enable them to work Um, And yes, it's a result of major losses of revenue, but what it means is that we are working hard back behind the scenes, figuring out, um, you know, how to reopen, how to reopen safely, which we've done. Um, And we've done a lot of online content and still throwing that out there. And we, we still, and we just, like, I can't believe this, but this weekend we had three live performances that were live streamed, like full on theater production that, that you know, um, has been in the works for months. It, it started in October with, with our co-producing partners, Théâtre du Nouveau Monde. So the show happened in French there. That's like the biggest French theater in Montreal. Um, and, uh, with the stellar team director, Francois Girard, who's known for the red violin. Mm. Um, he, he, directs for film, he directs for, for theater, for opera and, uh, and Emmanuel Schwartz, who's this phenomenal actor in French who never had the opportunity to, to perform in English, even though he's fully bilingual. So, um, and, and with a play, the play's called underneath the lintel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, it's a play I read again like four years ago, and just put it on my list. as, oh that that was a good read. I love yeah. this, um, and and it just it just again timing and collaborating with our French colleagues and everything. But we we were supposed to have a live audience, a little maybe too ambitious in the summer when everything was kind of looking up, but we ended up going live streamed only. Um, it was so incredible watching, you know, Francois sit there with his, you know, with the, with the screen, like a reference, like you're making a movie. So while it was a live show and meant for the 10 of us who were in that room watching, who was worked on the show, it was still lit for the, for the screen. So, and, and the actor had certain boundaries um, of, so he would never go out of frame so it's staged for the screen.
0: Yeah,
1: it's not something I'd I want to do, frankly. I don't think anyone in theater wants to do this, but we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it because it's we're still making theater, and we're we're engaging artists, and we're giving you know folks at home a chance to engage with us should they choose to. So that was quite miraculous, and I still can't believe it. Couldn't believe it.
0: Well, that's, that's the thing about the pandemic. It, it's, it's thrown everything into chaos for live theater, but it's also forced us to learn new skill sets on, on doing it online and creating these things and, and, you know, giving us time to work on new projects that if, if live theater was still going on, we'd, we wouldn't maybe not have time to do. So it's, it's congratulations on putting that, that, that show on and during these times and, and you know, figuring out a way to keep live theater alive during these insane times.
1: Thank you. Oh. We're doing it and we have a lot of, of incentive, again, from the government, from our donors, from our staff, from the artists. Yeah. And, and as, as we can do it safely, like that's like other businesses, they're all operating. Why shouldn't we? Yeah. you know i it's, i guess that's not not everybody may agree but i i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna be there yeah. we'll be there we'll keep going
0: nice and and that's what we want to hear that you'll keep going and keep putting on this stuff so lisa thank you so much for for talking to me today and, and telling us a little bit about the seagull center and what you're you're doing there and, and keeping theater alive in montreal and canada and especially new musicals. So thank you so much. For, uh,
1: thank you. Thank on. you so much for having me.
0: No problem. Now, before we go, I mm-hmm. always ask my guests three questions. There's no right or wrong answer, but there is one wrong answer. So <laughs> you might get it wrong. So um, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to ask three questions um, and we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about you. Um, so question number one, who is your favorite creator or team when it comes to either music, lyrics, or book? you know, who or, or a team that touches you or you, or you just love or um, you've discovered or anything like that. Do you, do you have one or no?
1: Well, I don't think anything will come close to what we experienced with Mythic. So if I could replicate, you know, Brian Hill's direction, yeah. you know, his, his spirit of generosity, of collaboration, of leadership, um, I would over and over and over again. Um, Avi Hai, who's the choreographer, you know, I've never, I've never worked with talent like that ever in my life. Um, and, you know, Oran and Marcus together, um, Oran is just like a brilliant gifted musician and Marcus, a writer and performer, they just have like a deep understanding of, of both the higher level of, of, of art, but also the, how, how do you make it fully accessible and appreciated and accessible? So it's, it's, it's just like, I I mean, I can probably go back and and list list off people like Sondheim or, um, you know, other, other wonderful directors in New York or, you know, more more female uh, artists but but when i just think of the experience that i had on mythic mm-hmm. um i would just would want to replicate that over and over again
0: nice correct answer that's one point very nice <laughs> all right question number two uh, if you could see any uh canadian person or story or canadiana uh turned into a musical what you like to see you obviously have Kravitz and and you got Le Besseur and and the hockey sweater is there anything in in all of time from Canada you know people stories anything like that is there anything that you you know you would go you know that'd make a cool musical I'd really like to see that
1: uh I think Leonard Cohen
0: um
1: (laughs) which which is something that you know We've been trying working on, but I think you know when we look at Jagged Little Pill, mm-hmm. um, when you look at uh, American Idiot, when you when you look at uh, um, you know other other musicals that celebrate an artist's work, yeah. you know I think the Leonard Cohn music would live well on stage.
0: it, it is it's poetic. And 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 yeah, the lyrics would be incredible. So, there we go. correct answer. <laughs> there, there, really is no wrong answer to that, of course. But correct answer. But this third question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh no. Yeah, here we go. Audience members eating food in the theater. Yes or no? No. No.
1: <laughs> I'll 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 share. Do we have time? If I share one we experience. Do. Yep. So on one of my kids' very first trips to New York, um, Annie was playing. Okay. And um, we, it was, you know, I guess I didn't get tickets six months in advance, um, but I got tickets in the balcony Mm -hmm. and it was my mom, my two kids and my sister-in-law. So one, two, three, four people. Uh, I feel like there was someone else there was, uh, okay, no, I, th- I feel like we were five and it doesn't matter. I just remember it being like two grand. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a fortune oh, to see wow. this show. But th- like for me, it was worth it. It was worth it to, to take my kids to Annie. Yes. And we we're sitting in the balcony and I had like families in front of me walking in and out with popcorn, like they were sitting in a movie theater. Yeah. The mom in front of me was sitting there on her on her phone because the show, I guess, like let her kids watch. She could just be on her phone. And I just like, it was like the, the, there's something sacred about a, a live theater experience. Yeah. Now, do I think like I have bought mints the you know mints that and on when i'm in a broadway show Mm -hmm. and have eaten mints and i totally love it i i just think there's 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 just like boundaries of what you can eat and what you can't yeah so if it's like i think that's it i think it's not like salad sandwich popcorn time (laughs) but you know uh um what are those mints called help me out here
0: uh the mantos or no Um,
1: like the green mints um, Ugh, uh, the chocolate mints that they uh, sell in every show
0: yeah i can't remember i i, I you know i can
1: junior uh, mints
0: junior mints okay junior mints yes junior
1: uh, mints okay <laughs> junior mints is allowed there you okay. go that's my that's my take
0: <laughs> you should reach out to them and see if they'll sponsor your uh, the single let's <laughs> <laughs> see what they can do <laughs> but okay as a follow-up what's worse food or cell phones Yeah, Self,
1: well well, cell phones is
0: they're both pretty like,
1: awful I, I think I think like I'm looking into a show right now which will have cell phones integrated into the actual experience okay but that's yeah, one thing
0: that's fine yes
1: and I like the in, I like the like embracing like taking photos of um of like the ca- curtain call or mm. the set at the top of the show and sharing it yeah. you know I love all that but I think like seeing the, for an actor to see the lights of a cell phone glow. And what happens is like, I can tell you in our 300 seat theater, the minute somebody just like gets a phone and they even just like check their time yeah. It, it snaps you out and everybody knows that light and everyone has the thought in their head. They want to swear in their head at that person. It yeah. just, it just, it just, it's disruption. Yep. Um, and so I no, I, I hate cell phones. <laughs> like,
0: of course. I love setting people off. <laughs> asking yeah. these questions is so much fun because it, it brings out the honest personality in everybody and i love it <laughs> and i totally agree you get bonus you get bonus points and, for the
1: and <laughs> the you know if somebody feels the need to check their phone a bunch of times they're not into the show
0: no they're not yeah.
1: so that also makes me sad <laughs> when i see that <laughs> happening because i know they, they really wish they weren't there
0: yeah i know uh, now, as an art, you know, executive director, you've got their money, which is nice. <laughs> you know, they're there and they paid. But
1: oh, n- yeah. not not for profit theaters don't do anything for money. <laughs> we <laughs> just lo- we just lose money. <laughs> we just lose money. Come on.
0: Okay. True, but. <laughs> <it's not nice. laughs> Thank those were three correct answers plus that bonus one. So you got three and a half out of three. (laughs) Congratulations. So great. So again, thank you so much, Lisa, for uh spending some time with me and and talking about the the Siegel Center and yourself. And
1: and thank you. Keep
0: doing what you're doing with the new musicals. I look forward to seeing some more in the future.
1: Thank you so much for having no, me.
0: No problem. So that was the Artistic and Executive Director of the Siegel Center for the Performing Arts, Lisa Rubin. Uh, turn in next week as we'll be talking to another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion that is musical theatre. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff, and I'll see you when I see you. We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theatre throughout the world, and we would love to have your support as well go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community.